Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the Reboot Revival Rehash Cast. I am, of course, Monsters Review here with... Hi, guy rules. Hey guys, how you doing? And welcome. This is podcast number five. I can't believe it. That's right. Um, so just to kind of start things off, how are you doing? I am all right. You, you say five as if five is like some big accomplishment. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. We, we, we've, been do- been... we've been doing this for over a month. That That's what five yeah. means. I mean, you know, we take things step by step. Right, right, of course. No, man, we, you know, some people on Twitter were like, or on the Discord or somewhere were like, eh, I give them 10 episodes before they run out of ideas, and it's like, <laughs> oh, no, you you misunderstand how deep the well goes when it comes to reboots and rehashes and revivals and just things that, that can be stuff. extrapolated from that basic concept. There's, there's hundreds upon hundreds of things we can do. Uh, as this episode will show, we have a little bit of a different thing so last week we did two episodes of the same show this mm-hmm. week you want to queue up what we got going on yeah so this week's different and that it's the first time we're comparing two different shows from two different franchises uh so we're doing Rocco's modern life the high five of doom versus camp laszlo's beans are from mars and the through line aside from the fact that they are both the same story is right. that they are both created by joe murray and yeah y- i mean it's not surprising, and it's also like we'll get into it. But these are very similar shows. It's not like we're trying to compare Dexter's Lab to to Samurai Jack, although yeah. that would make for an interesting episode in its own right. There's a That's lot right. of similarities here uh, that I think make it a, a relatively fair comparison. Yeah. So don't forget we have a Discord. There'll be a link down in the description. I have added it to the template of description that uh, we have because I I didn't add it and then. I was late on adding it for like the past few weeks, so if you came early to the podcast, sorry you couldn't join our server because I forgot to post the link. But it'll it'll be in there all the time from now on. If you want to leave us some comments, we've got a pretty pretty interesting thing coming up next week. If you want to leave us some comments for us to use in we that, we sure do. Yeah, uh, then feel free to. If you want to leave us some questions, give us news articles, you just want to chat with us about the podcast, please come join our Discord server. And of course, our Twitter handle is hashtag the recast. Mm-hmm. All right. So you want to start us off with uh, what did you watch in the past week, Monsters? Okay. So um, this is also what we've been working on. And a little bit of a shocker here compared to the past episodes of the recast. I actually am working on something. And Ooh. no, it's not Planet Sheen. <laughs> oh, I have forgotten um, about that. Oops. Yeah, I, I, should, oops. I should be bugging you about that every week. Yeah, that's the running gag. Um but no, I've I've been working on a channel trailer. I know that that's something small. It's not like an actual video per se, even though I'll upload it publicly. Um, but yeah, I'm working on a channel trailer. I'm hoping to have it out within the next week since it's, you know, fairly short and not exactly the most intensive thing. Uh, but I'll mention it on the next recast if I do finish it within that amount of time, hopefully. Um, but in terms of things that I watched, I did finally manage to get around to watching the Adventure Time finale. I didn't watch it live on Monday night. Uh, Labor Day. Uh, I watched it actually last night uh, as recording this podcast. And overall, I thought it was decent. I was like half asleep when I was watching it in bed. But from what I was able to gather, it was decent. I haven't been watching. I really haven't kept up with Adventure Time since season six. So a lot of stuff uh, was very new to me. A lot of stuff I kind of had to uh, fill in some blanks. Um, But I'm really excited for the Shermie and Beth spinoff. What did you think of it? Well, if you want to hear my opinions on the Adventure Time finale, 
you can check out the video I did with Nick Tendo over on his <laughs> channel. You won't hear any opinions on this one. No. Uh, bum, bum, bum. Yeah. So, yeah, I did. We did a very long discussion, but that was after, like, just watching it. We watched it once, and then we got into the discussion. We Like we, a first impressions. Yeah, that's basically what that was. I've been kind of kicking around doing, like, a quick every critique I have with the finale because there's tons of reviews out there that give it just like I think Entertainment Weekly gave it like an A plus which is wow. just like you know a lot of like a lot of these outlets haven't cared about Adventure Time for years but now they want to come back because it's like okay well <laughs> this show was amazing and influential and I mean don't get me wrong it is but it's just kind of like I see some reviews being swayed by people who just want to praise the show in general instead of actually critiquing and reviewing and looking at the finale as a whole. Right. Uh, the one thing I did, and I didn't rewatch it, but I've seen kind of some clips floating around. I, I, I rewatched like the song and then the ending clip. And I actually really love that last 11 minutes. If you break it down into four 11 minute episodes, which the, I mean, it wasn't like, and I, I don't think they have, it's all just come along with me. So I don't know that it's meant to ever be done like that, but if you were to just break it down into 11 minutes, they, they do kind of have story beats based upon 11 minutes. But if you break it down, that last 11 minutes, that's a finale for Adventure Time. The song, everyone coming together, uh, Finn at his most helpless, tr trying desperately to escape Golb. Uh, spoilers, by the way, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> but like, that plus, uh, like, uh, Betty and her sacrifice and the song like the the full theme song that plays at the very end also the kind of wrap-up bit with in the future with BMO and Shermie and Beth like all that stuff is great I wish like if the whole finale was I don't want to say like if we just cut out the other 45 minutes because it wouldn't necessarily make sense but it did need some lead up to it but like that part I think I probably am not going to have too many criticisms of that in general. The other stuff, the gumball war, the dream section, the uh, just the stuff like how Gulb comes out of like just literally nowhere. <laughs> um, like that stuff has a, I have a lot of criticisms for. I didn't mention it in the discussion with Nick, but like Finn's wanting Bubblegum to choose peace instead of war. It's a little weird, and I mean, you you wouldn't necessarily know this, but the previous episode, the, the last normal episode of this show, is about Finn going to Gumball and trying to get him to, like, he, he he's like, hey, sign a peace treaty. Like, let's just not do this. He's an ambassador. He tries to be. And basically, uh, Gumball douses him with lobotomy dum-dum juice that when he hugs PB should rub off on her and effectively lobotomize her. And that's his response to Finn's initial attempt at peace. So I don't know why Finn is pushing for peace this hard. Like, I, I understand, obviously, peace is better than war. Duh, obviously. But at that point, when you've tried to extend an olive branch, and that person has effectively not, not necessarily even tried to assassinate your leader, but, like, lobotomize them, <laughs> it's it's like, all right, maybe now it is time for war. I think I think there should have been some bigger stake, like... Maybe the Lich is involved somehow, and this war will lead to the Mushroom War, the next Mushroom War. I, that's kind of what they were hinting at, but they don't really... The Lich isn't involved in any way in this, unless you count Sweet Pea. Uh, so, I don't know. I feel like I feel like for the conflict of the first 11 minutes, the whole 11 minutes that's focused on is like, you can't go to war, peeps. You can't go to war. Don't do it. Don't do it. 
you probably shouldn't have had Gumball Gumbaldia where it's like, well, I, I would go to war with someone over that if 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 I sent my my knight to to try to make a peace treaty with them and and they do just a really underhanded tactic like that. It's like, all right, well, maybe now it is time for war. Yeah. I don't know. Um, by, by the way, I was joking about the Shermie and Beth spinoff. That's not actually hap- happening, but it would be funny if it did. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> just making it clear, some people might have taken that literally. So the other thing that I did watch was an episode of Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Pie Guy and I were talking about the show, and it just put me in a mood to watch another episode. So I rewatched the episode One False Movie. I don't remember what season it's from. I believe it's like season three or four. But it's basically the the synopsis is um, Mac has to turn in this video project and Blue takes over the whole thing. And um, and then the video ends up by being a success. Then he has to make this bigger movie for a film festival. And basically Blue, as the director, blows it out of proportion. And um, I really love it. I mean, most people know I'm a movie guy. So just seeing little references at like The Matrix bullet time and like... You know, just like CG Eduardo was funny to see. Even there's a Craig McCracken cameo in there, too, for uh, for Lauren is exploring um, him being the the cartoonist for that show. But, yeah, I really do like that episode. And I assume that that's a reference to his wife as well. Yeah, Lauren, Lauren Faust. I haven't so, quite yeah. gotten there in my rewatches yet, but neat. Yeah. So uh, what have you been watching and working on? <laughs> uh, well, I've been working on the SpongeBob season 10 review and pretty much nothing else, but I, so, last week I talked about Ben 10. I think the week before I talked about Ben 10. Right. I finished Ben 10. Not the whole franchise, but the the original series, Ben 10 Classic, as it's known. Yeah. Uh, so I saw seasons three, four. I saw Secret of the Omnitrix, which is a part of season four. And I saw the, uh, the CGI special made a few years, like, after the series was ended, uh, called uh, uh, Ben 10 Destroy All Aliens. Right. And so I'll I'll kind of briefly go through some beats here. So season two, I thought was like a it felt like a season that like it felt like like a season five or something. It felt like, wow, like the show was building up to this and they unleashed a lot of really neat ideas. Well, because they kind of like blew all their good ideas in season two, season <laughs> three is the we ran out of ideas season. Th- this is the season with the Christmas episode. This is the season where they get sucked into the video game. This doesn't make any sense. This is the season where there's a there's a weather monster that's def- they try to defeat it with guitars and rock and roll. Th- like the weatherheads? No, <laughs> no, not the weather, not from the reboot. But this is a meteorologist who made a robot that's like HAL nine thousand that gains sentience and makes weather monsters that Ben has to stop and they have to disrupt it with guitar wave. It's it's not it's not a terrible episode, but like it's like okay, they clearly like they've just lost their ideas of like what to do with this show and are just throwing right. some weird things out there. And my biggest like gripe with this season is this is the season with the horror movie aliens. So, okay, so Ben got Cannonball and Wild Vine season two, which seemed a little early for him to be getting extra aliens, but whatever. Both of those aliens are prominently used throughout the entire series. They get names in the episodes that they're in, they premiere in, they're used frequently, they're used to good effect, they're different from Ben's other aliens, fine. Mm -hmm. In this storyline, which is the Ghost Freak Comes Back storyline, although we don't know that until the two-parter that ends it, basically, Ben gets a mummy alien, a werewolf alien... And a Frankenstein's monster alien. 
All three of these aliens do not get names in this series. You have to wait until, I think it's Omniverse, before they get actual names. Their official quote-unquote names, as of like just this series, are Ben Wolf, Ben Mummy, and Ben Victor. Ben also does not use these aliens outside of the storyline. Yeah. Nowhere in Season 4 are any of these aliens found except in Ken 10 where future Ben uses the mummy for three seconds to get Ben, uh, to get his son down from an air vent. So, which is, it's weird because, I mean, just looking at the the first 10 aliens, like, you know, they very much live up to the description of an alien. They're very odd looking. They're not exactly humanoid, but like a Frankenstein and a mummy and whatever else, like those are like, yeah, well, a werewolf. Those are all like very, very human things that only a human would perceive. Well, they—I mean—they try to justify it in the same way they kind of justify Ghost Freak. Like, they're the designs right. aren't the worst, but the problem is, is that Ben doesn't name them. Ben doesn't use them in season four or anywhere else in the season that isn't one of these storyline episodes, and it just feels like. And there's also this thing where Ben realizes that he can collect DNA in the Omnitrix. Like, he unlocks Cannonbolt uh, by just random entering of a code that he doesn't even realize is entering a code <laughs> wild vine i believe is spurred by the alien plants but like this is where he's like okay i can collect alien dna and create and have more alien forms that's a cool idea pokemon yeah. that stuff right no but but no ben ben kind of forgets about that and the show doesn't like the show drops it in season four he meets other aliens but he doesn't he doesn't really try to like okay so i don't know that like that whole thing is weird and and like the aliens were treated like special the first 12 aliens even the aliens introduced in season four or like the last episode of season three like upchuck ditto and way big all have multiple appearances despite being in the last episode last season of the show and despite like they they get names like i don't understand why these horror aliens are treated like these weird redhead stepchildren unless cartoon (laughs) network like they were afraid cartoon network would air it out of order or something but that doesn't make sense for season four anyway uh (laughs) they were expecting a scooby-doo crossover (laughs) (laughs) but like uh, it's weird and also uh the mummy alien pretty much does wild vine's job it's got a bunch of tendrils like it's the same it's it's redundancy but uh this comes to a head in the two-parter uh not quite season finale of season three where the 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 these horror aliens resurrect Ghost Freak or they find Ghost Freak and Ghost Freak tries to blot out the sun and it's actually pretty cool. The they go to space like they get blasted off in a rocket ship. Max and Gwen and Ben has to catch up to them. There's there's like a decent amount of cool stuff going on and Ghost Freak is a decent villain. He's probably like the best, the third best villain in the first Ben Ten series behind Kevin and Vilgax. Uh but like. Yeah, it's uh, it was a little ruined for me because the last episode in this storyline on Hulu, it has these stupid pop up Omnitrix facts like, you know, pop up video like like they do pop up facts. They do this sometimes. And apparently they aired this in like a Ben 10 marathon with facts. Cool. That's great. If you've seen the show before, if you haven't having this Omnitrix sound and it pop up on the screen while this like action sequence is going on in the the (laughs) most story heavy episode in the third season, it's like. Thanks. Thanks, Cartoon Network, Did for you giving. Know? <laughs> oh, thanks for giving them that master, and thanks Hulu for not checking it. Thanks, thanks everyone for not caring. Um, yeah. So, and I also found out that season three and four are in HD on iTunes only, as far as I, anywhere that I saw. 
So that sucked because I wasn't about to pay like 30 bucks for these seasons when technically I could just get them on Hulu. Uh, Right. So that stunk. Uh, Season four, I thought was better than season three. They kind of picked it up. They had some decent stuff in there. Ken 10 was really cool. Um, Secret of the Omnitrix is pretty cool. There's a lot I could say, but I'm, I'm going to try to speed this along here. The uh, the two-parter, <laughs> Ben 10 versus the negative 10, like, uh, it basically showed me how bad the villains are on this show from the original Ben 10. Ben's, Ben's rogues gallery, again, outside from Vilgax, Kevin, and Ghost Freak are three circus rejects, uh, a hip a midget hypnotist, a, um, a goofy forever knight, a oh gosh, th- uh, Doctor Animo, who's I I just find really annoying. He has no depth to his character at all. He just he likes animals and he wants to d- make the world deranged. Oh <laughs> yeah, uh, Charm Caster. Like like I don't know. It's just like why, where are all the alien bad guys? Like isn't this an alien show? Like why are you giving me circus freak rejects? I I don't mm-hmm. I don't know. But but yeah no. So uh, and then the finale of season four is just absolutely terrible. Like the the series finale for the first series, it 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 like it goes like this. Ben gets home and back to school from his summer road trip, but Grandpa wants to keep his aliens a secret. But then Ben's secret gets out immediately because he has to transform to save the day. Also, it's introduced that his this is the first episode his parents are in. It's introduced that his dad has a beef with his grandpa because his grandpa was off plumbing instead of being with his son, etc. <laughs> but then later in the episode, his son finds out and he just forgives his grandpa. But also Vilgax is back. And then Vilgax gets blown up in the episode. And also Gwen goes to his school now. It's like it tries to introduce like eight different conflicts and resolve them immediately. It's like they wanted a season five and then we're like, well, we're not going to get one. So let's just throw every idea we have into one episode. I'm told right. by Kurom that this is a non-canon episode because in every future installment, or at least in like the follow-up movies, Ben's parents don't know that he's an alien hero. That's so, interesting. Yeah. And apparently because it has like the comic book, like there are many ways to end a story like that narration <laughs> that makes it non-canon, which I, I'm OK with. But it's still a terrible finale. Uh, and then lastly, just, just wrap this up. This CG Ben 10 Destroy All Aliens movie. It's like the best Ben 10 thing that I've seen thus far. Like, really? No joke. I love it. It's it's the best like episode, quote unquote, of the first series, even though it's not an episode. It's a whole movie. It's like over an hour long. It has uh, a great fight scenes. Like, the original Ben 10, the fight scenes avoid, like, direct contact a lot of the time. They make up for it with cool action scenes. But this one has cool fight scenes. It has an upgrade uh, with armor fighting Ben, who's stuck in uh, rotating through all of his alien forms. Like, really cool fight scenes. Uh, Sick designs for the aliens in CG. Like, it looks really good. Uh, All of them have have a really nice, like, like, upgrade has a nice shine to them and... Uh, Diamond Head has, like, a cool texture on him, uh, or, like, a sheen. It's all really cool. The antagonist in the movie is fantastic. I won't spoil who it is. It's, like, but it's one of the best villains in the in the show. There's a lot of weird stuff going on with the Omnitrix, which always makes for the best episode. There's tons of, like, mysteries that, like, it's not just, like, one twist. There's several twists. So the story kind of takes a bunch of different turns. I really highly recommend it. Like, I... Uh, I don't know where else this is available, but I, I got DirecTV now, like the streaming service for DirecTV, and it's on there, and it's mm. it's really good. Like, no joke, I liked it better than Secret of the Omnitrix, I liked it better than 
you know, even my my more favorite episodes like uh, like Ben Ten Thousand, which is also in season three. It's pretty much the highlight of season three, I think. But like, I don't know. I can't overstate how how surprised I was at how good it was. And I mean, it came after the series was over, but like, really cool. I'll have to check it out because from what I remember, the only Ben Ten movies I've seen were Secret of the Omnitrix and then the live action one, yep. which I believe was Race Against Time. Yep yeah so that i don't remember liking that one too much yeah that's the other thing uh so i'm i'm determined to make it through the ben 10 franchise i'll probably give it a rest talking about it for the most part next week because i've been talking about it a lot <laughs> but the one thing the next thing i have to watch before i can watch alien force it is the live action ben 10 race against time so for next week as like a lead into reanimated i'm gonna watch another uh live action cartoon network like animation live action hybrid that came out in the mid 2000s <laughs> oh boy because yeah so i'll give my opinion on that next week and then i'll i'll probably cool it on the ben 10 talk for a little bit but uh cool but yeah no so that's <laughs> that's like the that's the, what you've been watching <laughs> yeah that's the last half of ben 10 in a nutshell sounds like it's a decline like a like a steep decline well i i mean yes and no season <sighs> Season four has some pretty good episodes, like the episode, uh, there's an episode with Ditto, where he gets an alien that can split himself, and mm -hmm. he's voiced by Rob Paulson, which is pretty cool, uh, and like, he can't transform back into Ben unless they're all together, and so naturally one of them gets kidnapped, that's a cool idea, that's a cool story, I like that one, there's the Big Fat Alien Wedding episode, which is really cool, there's really cool villains, really, yeah. I mean, it's not anything too surprising, it's a human and alien get married to stop their warring factions like it, it you know you've seen it before but the alien designs in that one are really cool and the action is pretty cool um there, there's like good episodes here and there but i would say the show probably did peak in season two the the storyline with kevin and vilgax and the show never the show brings vilgax back for kind of a bunch of one-off appearances like he shows up in uh ben 10,000 which makes sense cause it's in the future but he otherwise is not in season three and in season four his role is not great. He just kind of pops back up in Secret of the Omnitrix and in the last episode. And Kevin doesn't get another appearance outside of Ken Ten, which is the other future episode. So once yeah. they kind of get rid of those two villains, the show doesn't have... Like, Ghost Freak is alright, but like, I don't know. I feel like the show kind of went for it with season two. They probably didn't think they were going to get a season three. And then when they did, it's like, let's do the stupid Christmas episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but yeah no i've been watching a lot of ben 10 <laughs> cool all right ready to move into news sure okay so we got only one thing this week and i think technically it's like last week's news but we want to talk about it anyway because it's it's an interesting topic that kind of comes up more and more these days it's that avatar the last airbender is getting more graphic novels uh but like this time focusing on avatar kyoshi which is cool, which like Kyoshi was always the avatar that if they were ever going to do like a prequel, it seemed like she would be the one to get the most focus. Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, they already explained Roku's backstory. Right, right. Yeah, he got his own episode. Uh, we got some of hers in the the Kyoshi warrior episode. I mean, that one, but also the one where Aang returns and gets jailed. Is it oh, Avatar Day? Yeah, I believe. Yeah. So we get a decent amount of hers, but like she's she's a pretty cool character. She's one of the oldest avatars apparently, and it's gonna be her origin story. So this is like this is a form of revival 
that a lot of shows are taking these days, like Adventure Time is getting spinoff comics. Uh, Avatar already had some spinoff comics, but they're this is like a new initiative for them. Right. Um. Uh, what else? Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was pro- probably one of the first. Like, they had actual, like, season... I think it was season nine is what they called it, like, the season nine comics. Like, they actually called it a season, uh, or season yeah. eight. I can't remember. But, like, this is a decent... Like, this is a thing that keeps going on, and it's like... I don't know. Like, what do you think about it? Do you think comics are... I don't know. What do you think? Um. Well, to put it frankly, I don't really read that much, whether it be comics or just books in general. So um, I don't usually check out these things. Um, I know that they've done them for, like, Samurai Jack and I think Powerpuff Girls and a few other things that I I recognize, but... Teen Titans. T- oh, Teen Titans, right. With uh, Teen Titans Go. Not, right. Not, not to be confused with the animated series. Um, but no, I, in terms of Avatar, um, I do know that they, they made one that takes place directly after the events of Sozin's Comet that, that, that answers some like really, um, vital questions that were supposed to be open-ended, or at least I feel like that's how they were intended to be. Mm. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I like this one. I think, I I don't know. I, I probably won't read it, but I appreciate that they're making this one. A, because they're having Mike DiMartino come back to work on it, one of the co-creators of the original show. Um, and two, like, I, I'm more interested in Kiyoshi. I feel like filling us in on Kiyoshi and her backstory um, won't cause any harm. And I feel like it'll be more informative and more interesting than than anything else. Well, that's always the thing. It's like... And a lot of these are non-canon. Like the Avatar or the uh, the Adventure Time one was explicitly yeah. Like after the fact, after a lot of people found out about it, like the one of the creators of the show is like they're non-canon. Like and it's like oh okay, <laughs> and I mean it's like I don't know. Like it doesn't necessarily hurt anything in the show, but it it, it kind of creates this weird like barrier of like if you want to talk about something like well now you you got to be up on your comic lore too. Or else you won't know the full story or whatever. I, I don't know. And it's also kind of like, it depends. Like, I, like I do like this idea because it's not just like, here's more Korra or here's more Aang. It's, let's let's kind of start from the ground up. Like, yeah, Kyoshi did have a lot of her details revealed. But it, she there's a lot of places to go with her character. So they can kind of start from the ground up as opposed to just trying to build off of where Korra ended. Right, and I appreciate that out of all of the avatars that they could have gone with, Kyoshi, I believe, is one of the more, for lack of better words, interesting um, avatars. So, and, and like I said, I don't think that, you know, this, if anything, will provide more context, maybe, for the events that happen in the show, but I don't think that it, it'll cause any, you know, negative effects on your viewing experience of Avatar, so. Mm. But it could. Like, if they, I mean... If they retcon something or... Yeah, but I mean, I guess if they retcon something, it's always just assumed that it's the the TV show is correct. But, like, if if they put things in a context that's really uncomfortable, I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to say that a story could be necessarily ruined, but there, there could definitely be some, like, weird things that they could do with a comic continuation that does kind of hurt the original media. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, one of the... It's not a comic continuation, but everyone's like, oh, the midichlorians and the prequels of Star Wars. And it's just <laughs> like, well, once like once that idea is out there, even if you deem that the prequel's non-canon, like, 
it still now exists that this is an explanation for what this is, something that never needed or, or should have had an explanation. So if you present an idea in a comic, even if it's non-canon or whatever, it could still kind of bleed into the source material, and it could still, like, damage things, I guess? I don't know. It's... All right, so, yeah, that's... If you're interested in Avatar and you're interested in Kyo- Kyoshi, this is this is there. I, I like the tactic they're taking with this, but... I don't know. I I don't necessarily see it as always a plus that they're going to continue a story in extra media. Like there's there's ways that it can kind of harm or oversaturate even just the source material that it's just like, well, it's not necessarily necessary. Yeah, it's very much in a gray area. Mm. Like I don't I don't mind the Adventure Time comics. Well, here's the thing, like for like the Adventure Time comics, I would like them to do like just random one-off stories. Not I I wouldn't want them to continue after the finale because I feel like the finale is the finale. Like they they I mean sure that like a part of the Adventure Time finale was like and the adventure continues. What happened to them? They lived lives. And it's like, <laughs> well, okay. Uh but like I feel like that's that's the place that it should end off in and I feel like anything else should be like this takes place before the finale. Like I'm, I, I, I think that that would be better. But it, it's not like it's. I'm not saying it's like ruining anything or severely hurting anything. It's just like, well, a story is a story, and it, it should have a clear ending. And if you drag it out, even in non-canon means in a different medium, it's still dragging it out. Yeah. All right. So that's the news this week. Not, not too much going on actually. Um. So we are going to move on to viewer questions. So, we have one question from Christian Goken over on our Discord server. And this actually this ties in nicely with what just wrapped up. When do you guys think a show runs on for too long versus being cut too short? I've seen people call shows like Chowder and Duckman shows that had too short a run, and people say The Simpsons has been on for too long. Essentially, what elements can keep a show fresh? And what do you think... Uh, when do you think... Sorry, when do you guys think that almost nothing can save the show and when a show cuts off too soon while having unanswered questions or more potential for different stories? So there's a lot in that question, but let's let's kind of break that down. So do you have any anything that like you could kind of point to and just be like, well, that's a surefire sign that the show's gone on too long or that it's been cut too short? Um well kind of i mean it really varies for each show but i think the the first thing that popped into my head was rehash so reusing the same plot structures and episode ideas yep yeah when when a show no longer has anything to say that's 100 yeah. when it's gone on too long when it, when it no longer has new new ideas to present like that's that's an easy one when the show had a clear ending like one season like really nicely ties everything up and then instead of like a new season kind of building a new thing it just tries to like dredge up the old stuff and pretend that finale didn't happen that's a sign that a show's gone on for too long as far as cut too short now it's easy to say for a show like um i don't know like samurai jack or um i don't know if samurai jack's a good example because i don't watch that show but i presume so (laughs) since everyone wanted the, the new season but yeah um like uh firefly i guess would be an example like a show that doesn't finish its story that that's obvious right and anyone yeah. can tell you it's been cut too short because it's like well it didn't finish there's no resolution was... right right uh or even just something that doesn't strictly get a finale like an actual finale episode it's cut too short but in terms of comedies it's like I-, I would say something is cut too short like 
if it's starting to get good right before it ends. And I mean, like, that's a that's a weird nebulous thing, but it's like there are shows that don't really find their stride until their second or even third seasons. And so if a show and I'm trying to think of a good example of this, but if a show kind of found its way in season two and then it gets canceled or it gets canceled at the end of season three, then it's like, well, that's that's an easy way to say it's got cut short. Unless a show is winning awards left and right, the executives renew or cancel a show, not based on the creative merit, but the ratings. So for all we know, a show could be doing great creatively, but, you know, maybe the ratings aren't there. So that would, you know, provide a reason for them to cancel it. Right, right. And I mean, like, the the examples he give are Chowder and Duckman. Have you seen either of those shows? Um, I've seen a lot of Chowder. I haven't seen too much of Duckman. Okay, so what about Chowder? Do you think that that's something that's fitting of being called cut too short? Uh, not really, if I'm being honest, because I, I thought that the show had a decent run. I felt like it was, you know, a fulfilling show. I thought that it, it you know, lived out its run, and it did have a proper finale. Chowder grows up. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I, I've never, I know what Duckman is, but I've never, I, I've never actually seen it. I will say, uh, in the in a similar vein, The Critic like the animated show made oh, by some yep. of the people from the Simpsons. That's a show that got cut too short because it only had two seasons and you could tell that they had a lot of ideas and you could tell that they were trying to not necessarily build an ongoing story, but they were they were building and they were refining their comedy chops and they were kind of getting into it and then it got a really like short second season, I believe, and then it just got axed. And it's mm-hmm. like that's a show that could have done farther and I, I in like different circumstances it would have i mean if we're having disenchantment now like simpsons-esque humor has a place obviously i don't know there's a lot of stuff with like why that failed but that's another example of a show that i, I think is cut too short just because it didn't have enough episodes to really kind of get somewhere it, it was good to start but i feel like it could have gotten better yeah and going back to shows that are going on too long um i instantly thought of the quote you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yep. And I was thinking about South Park because for the most part, um, excluding the past few seasons, I think South Park has done a pretty decent job at withstanding time. And I mean, they have a good reason to as well, because I mean, even though it's mostly the same characters and same character traits, there has been some evolution. Like I feel like Randy's become more dynamic, but you know, with the constant influx of different news and controversies and trending topics, they've been able to keep it fresh. Um, And then obviously, you know, they've been going with the story arcs, which have drawn a lot of, understandably drawn a lot of negative criticism, but I think, you know, South Park has done a good job at withstanding time. Again, excluding like seasons eighteen through whatever they're on now. I mean, I'd say I think it's gone on too long, I, and that kind of leads into the next. But like, so, so what elements can keep a show fresh? I, I guess we'll just move on to that part of the question. Mm-hmm. What now? It, it's it's easy to say like, well, add some change, like age the Simpsons cast up a few years, and that'll <laughs> be something. And now I'm with you on that in terms of like, well. Not you, monsters, this hypothetical person I'm building in my head. I'm with that person in terms of like, well, you know what? The Simpsons is really, really boring now, so at least it'd be funny in how bad it is, or maybe they'd pull it off. Like, you know, a drastic change like that would at least be funny, but I don't think a drastic change is always what a series needs. Like, 
don't drastically change SpongeBob. Just end SpongeBob. Let it end. Like, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people would probably say, like, change. And in some shows, in dramas, yes, change, constant change, rotating, um, like, cast members, rotating story focus. Uh, like, Better Call Saul is a great example of, of a show that's always rotating what it's focusing on. Um, like, change does keep it fresh in that way. Um but it's it's well, good change. <laughs> right. Well, well change keeps it fresh. Change doesn't always keep it good, but fresh right. fresh can be good. Um in terms of a comedy, what elements can keep a show fresh? It's I I don't know. It's like comedies are like generally speaking they don't find their way again once they've lost it. Like generally hmm. yes, they can get new writers and that is that is one way to do it. If the people that are writing the show don't know what's funny anymore, then yeah changing the writers is a good step but i don't know the show needs to have a purpose still it needs to have a reason to exist and still produce new episodes besides just making money right but what what can keep it what can keep it having a purpose i guess i i mean i guess it is just my thought is infuse new creative people into the team because if you're getting the same old creative people that are rehashing ideas then it's time to not necessarily gut the whole writing staff, but like at least bring in someone and be like, listen, we need, we need some, some infusion of fresh ideas in here, not adding like a Poochie character, but just like uh, a writer or a producer behind the scenes that kind of has some new fresh thoughts on it uh, to keep it fresh. But uh, well, that's a scary thing because there's, there's, uh, an exponential amount of risk there because they could just say oh we've been doing the same thing with the same people for x amount of years and it's been working so why don't we just keep it this way or they could make that leap and either have great success with new creative visions or just fall down the hole even more i mean i'm i'm of the opinion that honestly like if a show isn't fresh it should just end like rather than trying to trying to bring it into life support like I would rather it just end on a on a, at least a decent note than have to go through like okay, well, here's three seasons of bad, and then maybe it'll emerge in a good season. It's like no, yeah, just I let agree. it just let it die. Like that's what I'm yeah. thinking. But if it has to go on, then bringing in different creative people, it's an attempt at least. If you have the same old people, that's not necessarily going to do anything. Um, well, it makes me curious too. Like, has Matt Groening ever thought to himself, "It's time to end," but Fox won't let him do that, or like, um. I think he's had that thought before, and then they threw a bunch of money at him, and then he's just kind of quiets down. He's, <laughs> he's, I mean, he's gone on record saying, as far as my, I remember, just that, like, you know, eh, I don't really expect the show to go on for much longer, or, like, you know, eh, maybe it is time to quit. Like, nothing too definitive, but he's he's not like, yeah, man, let's make it go another 90 years. Like, he's he's not he's the not one saying He's not very enthusiastic that. about it. No, and, I mean, he wouldn't be... I don't think he'd be making disenchantment if he, you know, I think he'd still be a part of the Simpsons creative staff, a heavy part, at least. Um, So the next thing, the next part of that question is, when do you guys think that almost nothing can save the show? So at what point is it dead? Like I said, if it's a comedy, if they've gone completely dead for comedic value, like (sighs) almost nothing can save the show. Or if, hmm. I mean, usually when I think of the word dead, it's like it no longer resembles what the show is in a bad way. Mm. I mean, like, I don't think that, like, technically speaking, 
any show can come back from the gr- the brink. Like, I can't say, well, it has a bad season or it has three bad seasons or whatever. Because technically, yeah, I mean, new writers could come in or they could get their act together. But, I mean, should the show be saved? That's like, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the last part is when a show cuts off too soon while having unanswered questions or more potential for different stories. Um I mean, we kind of we kind of already talked about that. That yeah, right. obviously, if it like, uh, in terms of like the unanswered questions, but I guess in terms of like, pot- more potential for different stories, I would still rather I would rather something go out on a high note after a few seasons than, you know, than look at it and be like, well, there's probably more good ideas in there. Like Rocco, which we're gonna talk about soon, I think is a great example of a show that yes could have had more episodes. I bet you if Joe Murray was interested in doing another season, I bet you they could have done a season five, and I bet you it would have still been funny. But Joe said it, like I said, he, he he's his opinion back then, at least, uh, when he was interviewed about it, is kind of like the same sentiments that I have, that it's like, well, go out on a high note. He, he told a lot of stories he wanted to tell, and although there seemed to be more stories that he could have told and his team could have told, there probably wasn't a lot more, a lot of more stories that could have been told. And truth be told, Rocco got saved when it did, because if Rocco went on for another season or two, it could have been the Rocco Rocco's on season 12 instead of SpongeBob (laughs) on season 11. Like, I don't think we're that far off from a timeline where that could have happened. And I think Rocco's fall would have been so much worse than SpongeBob's because yeah, Rocco had a lot uh, Rocco um Rocco would have changed. Rocco is not a show that I think could continue into the current time period and still be as relevant as it was because of Joe Murray's experiences in in the time period that he was when he made the show, basically. If that makes any sense. Yeah, and I I don't exactly remember it being the most popular Nicktoon back in the day either. Well, here's the thing. Rocco was uh like the fourth or fifth Nicktoon, like the the run ended um what, 96? Right, but there was, like, Rugrats and Hey Arnold and Ryan Stimpy. True. Which I feel like were more popular. But, I mean, like, you... It, it's hard to... uh, Like, Rugrats and Ryan Stimpy are definitely... Were definitely undoubtedly more popular. But it's hard to measure that when we don't have Nielsen ratings for that time. And That's true. And the internet wasn't... It was a lot more in, in its infancy, so we can't say that, like, the buzz wasn't there. Um, I don't know. I mean... I think that's hard to say. You might not be wrong. Yeah. But um but yeah, that's my opinion. Just you know what? Go out on a high note. Even if there's a few Hey, listen, if you got more stories to tell, Nickelodeon will approach you in ten years, <laughs> twenty years, and uh and you'll do the old T V movie. Yeah. <laughs> the the T V movie. That that they spend like five years working on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you don't have a job after it, so Yeah. But um all right. Well, I feel like we pretty thoroughly answered that question. Thank you, Christian. That was a that was a really good question yeah. that covered a lot of different aspects about kind of not the thing that comes before the reboot, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So let's talk about what we got going on next week and the week after. So if you don't know, next week we are going <laughs> to be talking about the Cartoon Network, the Basically, this, this, these were both the precursor to CN Real, right before it. Uh, right. Uh, reanimated, the TV movie, and the Out of Jimmy's Head, the show that was a spinoff of that movie, episode Sick Day. 
We both of these episodes can be found. Uh, this movie and this episode can be found online if you want to watch along with us. If you don't, I don't blame you at all. <laughs> um, Certainly not. Yeah, yeah. We we found a guest that's going to suffer through it with us. Hopefully, unless unless they back out. But uh, but yeah, that should be a pretty fun episode. So yeah, that's next week. <laughs> Looking forward to it for sure. Yeah. So not. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the discussion. If you just want, if if you want, probably the most negative recast that will ever exist, where we just trash both things, it's gonna It'll be, be the next rant week. Cast. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all right. So the week after that, we actually have two Scooby Doo episodes, right? So Scooby Doo is a yeah. franchise where there's a lot of incarnations of Scooby Doo, and so we decided to choose something from the original Scooby Doo which is uh, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? And the episode is called Scooby-Doo and a Mummy 2. And we are choosing the episode Mummy Scares Best from What's New Scooby-Doo, which a lot of people consider to be kind of like the, well, for a while at least, it was the contemporary Scooby-Doo, or at least it, and I I still think it is kind of the case where it is the Scooby-Doo that didn't change. It tried to keep everything as much the same as the original original series but just modernizing certain elements whereas it is very 2000s right well <laughs> modernizing for the time whereas like yeah what um you know mystery inc is a more serialized show be cool scooby-doo it definitely has its own kind of brand of humor doesn't necessarily follow the formula quite as strictly as what's new scooby-doo but but yeah so those are the two episodes uh they're probably both found on the boomerang app but you can probably yeah. also find them elsewhere too. But yeah, that's that's coming up in two weeks. We've got two mummy episodes. Woo! Ooh. Spoopy. <laughs> Just in time for Halloween. Yeah. In two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, if if Walmart can put out their Halloween decorations, then we can we can do a Scooby Doo episode before October. So for sure. Yep. Yeah. All right. So now we are going to transition into our discussion of the Camp Laszlo episode. I, I can never remember the name of it. Uh, and there's Beans actually, are from Mars. Beans are from Mars. <laughs> and there's a reason I can't remember the name of it. And I'll get into that. And the Rocco's Modern Life episode, The High Five of Doom. Yeah. Not By the way, not to be confused with the uh, the other Camp Laszlo alien episodes from Cartoon Network Invaded, uh, Trout from Outer Space and Cheese Orbs. But yes, that was something that I wanted to bring up too because I didn't get a w- chance to watch it because... The Boomerang app doesn't have these episodes because it doesn't have all the episodes of Camp Laszlo still. <gasps> but yeah, the the first part of that Cartoon Network Invaded episode is an episode where Samson gets abducted by aliens, like actual aliens. <laughs> but then he thinks that the foreign exchange students or the Canadian student, I, I didn't get to watch it. I just going off description, but he thinks they're the aliens and they're not the aliens. Th- this is a plot that Joe Murray used three times over the course of two shows. Yeah. So if you if you're thinking of that episode, I don't blame you. Uh, we could have very well picked that episode, but mm-hmm. we did end up picking the one that was on the Boomerang streaming service, which I'm I'm happy with. Yeah. So I gotta I gotta tell you something, monsters. I've got a I've got a confession. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> you don't sound happy about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> monsters likes it when we plan stuff out before the recording. Uh, okay. Here's the thing. Laszlo is not a very good show. <gasps> No, like, hear me out on this. Before we get to the actual episodes, I do, I do want to just, I watched a few, I watched like pretty much all of season one of Laszlo today in preparation for this. Wait, really? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. 
Uh, and I mean, hey, to be fair, maybe the show got better in its later seasons, but Laszlo, like, as an adult, I get exactly nothing out of this show. And hey, it's not made for me. Like, that's fine. I don't think Laszlo is an awful show or a bad show. I think it's just an okay show. And, like, it has this problem where it really badly wants to be Spongebob. Like... Don't you dare. <laughs> the production music and sound effects are the same from Spongebob. You That's don't... because they had the same guy. Yeah, but you don't do that. When you have a cartoon that is so immensely popular that everyone associates those sound effects and sound cues with Spongebob, you don't do that unless you're explicitly trying to rip them off or emulate them. Like, well, it's no Coconut Fred, first of all, but also... And I always point this out. People fail to realize that Rocco came along, hired people like Steven Hillenburg and uh, uh, various and people. Well, we're not we're not talking about what's fair or what's like, you know, hey, Joe Murray inspired um, SpongeBob because SpongeBob, he did, which then he, in turn. Yeah, he did. This isn't a fact of like, well, I think they're ripping them. This is a fact that when I, a person who watches SpongeBob, watch this episode of Camp Laszlo, all I can think about is man that that's a sound cue from spongebob that's that's a sound effect that's a song that's that's one of the sea shanties they use are they gonna play the crusty crab theme they might they might <laughs> that's all i can think about it's not a matter of like well you know it's plagiarism because it's not they use the same sound library that's that's whatever but i, I whether they knew better or not you do not emulate the most popular cartoon in in sound effects without realizing that's going to be distracting to some people I can see that, but it's just the sound. I know that I, a sound design you know, is really big in cartoons. Don't get me wrong. One of my favorite, my my absolute favorite aspects of Camp Laszlo is the sound design, and it is such a vital aspect of it. But that's just one criteria. Okay. Well, what about uh, <laughs> what about uh, Mr. Lawrence? How? Okay, he came from Rocco. Yeah. But his he voice for Filbert. Filbert is different from his voice for Plankton. But his voice for, what is it, Edward in this show is not different from his voice for... His voice for Edward, I think, is more like Filbert than it is Plankton. I think it's Plankton because of the anger. Filbert's tim more timid, generally. They're similar voices, but I'm saying, I'm saying in addition to the sound effects, in addition to the music, in addition to having the happy-go-lucky character, the animal character, it, it's, it has... Laszlo has a case of wannabe Spongebob-itis. Uh, um, it just, it does. The style of humor, too. Um, the grumpy character versus the optimistic character. And again, these are things from Rocco as well. But when you add all of these elements together, it's just like, this is this is kind of spongebob light. Um I can see that, but I mean, just, I, I have far too much respect for Joe Murray to think that he saw Spongebob and wanted to approach Cartoon Network saying, I want to do that, but on Cartoon Network. It's not it's I'm not accusing him of of trying to rip SpongeBob off. I'm right. just saying that whether it's coincidental, whether it's planned, whether whatever the reason, it emulates SpongeBob in a lot of ways and by comparison is nowhere near as good. Uh I mm, I will I will accept your criticisms. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. You can love the show all you want. I wanted to surprise you with this cuz I thought it'd be fun. Uh oh also one more thing. Um, the Boomerang app. <laughs> so, not for this episode. This is the one that didn't have it, but for all the other ones, the intro, right? You know, it starts with Slugman going, attention campers, attention campers. For some reason, the first second of the intro is in French. 
on all the other copies. So it's <laughs> attention campers, attention campers. Like it literally is like that. Go to the boomerang app. I think there's a free episode that you can watch. <laughs> Look at it. And it's, <laughs> it's just a stupid mistake. Attention that, camper. <laughs> right. He's like French immediately. And I went and checked on YouTube. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't think that's how the intro goes. I don't think nope. he's French for a second. Although he's, a, he's like a snail, right? So yeah. Okay. There we a go. <laughs> all right. So let's actually get into the episodes here. So uh, I guess I'll give the plot for Rocco. So basically, uh, Heifer runs into Filbert and sees Filbert with this diary. And Filbert drops the diary. Heifer finds it, wants to read it. Rocco comes along and is like, oh, no, you you cannot read a diary. And (laughs) and then, of course, Rocco reads the diary out of curiosity. And um, and it turns out that Filbert is an alien that wants to destroy the human race and high five people to death. And all this sort of stuff. And then, of course, they see Filbert doing all the things that are in his journal and lead them to believe that he is indeed an alien. And, yeah. And then, uh, basically, the the ending is that they read the story, and we see this version of the story they're reading where he really is an alien. Yeah. But then it cuts back to the real world, and they're like, oh, no, he's not. But then they still don't let him in their house because they're still not entirely sure. So like the episode, that. yeah, they leave it ambiguous. It, they, they lean towards he's not an alien, but they do yeah. leave it just ambiguous enough that's like, ah, that's all right. Maybe he is. I don't know. I've never seen him high five anyone else. That's <laughs> uh, right. want to give the Camp Lazlo description. Sure. So um, just to kind of sum it up real quick, uh, the, the Scroll Scouts are convinced that Laszlo, Raj, and Clam are aliens. Okay, that was really <laughs> quick. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it just to kind of provide a quick point. I mean, it does kind of start off stupid because there's at least you know more of a a reason for them to to be convinced in Rocco because yep. uh, because of the diary. Whereas it's just um, the weird, angry, um, like gym teacher, like woman that watches over the squirrel sets that's not the main yeah, miss mucus yeah she just hates men and she <laughs> yeah. tells the girls that like oh men are all from like a different planet or something and then that's that's what gets them to think that oh man these boys must be aliens which is like uh, oh okay all right she was she was just like um yeah with any experience with a man i've ever had they've all been from a different planet <laughs> Like, and man. I think that was just supposed to be like a like a like an offhand joke, not yeah. like an actual thing, right? But the the girls took it seriously. Well, I mean, with this show, there are technically aliens in this show, so right. Maybe she, I don't know. She doesn't seem <laughs> maybe, to. She, maybe she dates a bunch she, of uh, aliens. Well, she she doesn't seem like the type of person who attracts very pleasant partners. I'll just put it that way. Um, right. But yeah, the Rocco, like the explanation of the diary, like it 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 makes a little more sense. Now, in both cases, like, things get escalated because, obviously, like, that isn't enough to prove to the girls, like, these are definitely aliens, and that isn't enough to prove to Rocco that, yeah, Filbert's definitely an alien. But the girls go and spy on the boys, and they're messing around with static shock, and they're all, like, lit up, (laughs) and it seems it's similar to what Gretchen is reading about in her book, which is, like, nice confirmation bias for them that, yes, they're aliens, whereas with Rocco and Heifer... They see Filbert doing all the weird things described in the book, like putting um, mustard in his armpits. <laughs> yes, things that don't make any sense otherwise. So going to chewy chicken. Yep. In both cases, that's kind of like a very like the story escalates in the same way. Yeah. And in fact, even structurally, 
the Camp Lazlo episode begins with them resuscitating. There's like a, a training dummy for medicine, and they're like messing around with it, and it's like completely irrelevant to anything else. It, the dummy comes back in the episode, but it's otherwise unrelated. Whereas with Rocco, it's similar sort of thing, but it's with the reading the diary itself, which is like the diary is yeah. important, but like there's this whole song and dance about Rocco wanting to read it but not wanting to read it and like <laughs> that's ultimately kind of detached from the rest of the it's like a lead-in both of them are lead-ins so i, I just want to read this uh i, I want to read this little wikipedia thing that's on the camp laszlo page <clears throat> okay murray felt that camp laszlo successfully appealed to younger children because his prior experiences with his own children helped him determine details that children found humorous Murray said that he resisted the urge inside him to micromanage this production and instead approved aspects and contributions related to the show. He said uh, that he had a lot of pre-production time and therefore details became established before the show aired on television. His main philosophies expressed include the phrase, be who you are, and that you should always question authority unless it's a safety issue. <laughs> Lumpus. Here's the thing. This, to me, like... This is, like, much, much, much heavily neutered Rocco humor in Camp Laszlo. Like, it I, is. I could tell that he is trying to write for a young audience. And I, I think that, like, my philosophy on writing, especially for kids, is write what you think is funny. Maybe don't include some of the, you know, the risque jokes, but still what you think is funny. Because the second you start writing for what you think kids find funny, you are now writing for a hypothetical person that may or may not even exist. Of course, there's focus testing. And of course, there are things that kids do genuinely like. But I find that if your heart isn't in it, if you're not writing something that you find funny or that you find interesting or motivated, if you're like trying to appeal to a demographic specifically, it shows. And I, I think like camp laszlo didn't none of this made me laugh really yeah no none of it like, um i mean of course you can tell that that laszlo in comparison to rocco doesn't have nearly as many innuendos or or uh or you know sexual references and whatnot but like i still found camp laszlo funny i love the expressive faces the the super super dynamic sound design and all the musical cues the sound design i i i get that it's reminiscent of spongebob but i that doesn't make me love it any less i mean yeah i no it, it didn't and I, again i like i totally understand it's not a show made for me so i'm not like sitting here like oh the show doesn't appeal to me exactly right. but if and i admit i have some nostalgia bias too if i'm the one like reviewing it and talking about it i'm gonna Again, I'm going to talk about it from my perspective. I might be like, well, I can see where a kid might like that joke, but I'm not going to sit here and try to judge this episode from a, a perspective of someone that I'm not, you know? Right. Um, I'm just saying that I didn't find it funny. I didn't, um, like, the closest I got was when Laszlo was whispering to the other campers. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. just, I'll handle this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but other than that, n nothing, nothing really stood out to me. Whereas with Rocco, now, and again, these aren't... Um, like, let's see. <laughs> well, there's the Soylent Green reference. Yeah. Uh, throwback to Employee of the Month on the first recast. <laughs> there you go. That's <laughs> it, a good joke. It's because it's um, <laughs> the, there's a chicken family outside the, the now called Chewy Chicken. Couldn't call yeah. it Choky Chicken. Even <laughs> though explaining to people why they had to change the name probably leads to more vulgar, like, actual explanation than if they had left it right. anyway. Um but, like, yeah, there's a chicken family, and they're, like, Soylent Green is people, and the chicken family is, like, like 
oh great i thought it was you know uh, that that's good like that they had to feel even better yeah. yep yep <laughs> um but like one of the great jokes and again this isn't this isn't a dirty joke in any way where Rocco and Heffer agree that they will read just one page of Filbert's diary just to satiate them. And the, the first page is like, I am an evil alien and I have a plan to take over the the world. See next page for my plan. Yeah. And it's just, <laughs> and they put the book down and like, well, that's all we can read. And they're like sweating. Like, that's a great joke. Um, uh, and even the way I th- it's like phrased in a, in a really clever way. Like, it's like for details, see page two or like something like that. Um, there's another where, because they can't say humans because it's not humans. They're like, I will enslave all of Earth's anthropomorphic creatures, which is yeah. like, uh, that's a way to specify it. Um, there's one where <laughs> during the montage of hypothetical Filbert high-fiving people to death, <laughs> he goes to like a produce guy and he's like, nice melons, high-five. <laughs> and like in context, there's nothing necessarily bad about it. But when you take out the visual of a, a melon shop, it's it's a little, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, also... And the reason why Filbert was squirting mustard on himself, why spend money on cologne when mustard is free? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to say that. Uh, Yeah, the episode made me laugh a decent bit. Laszlo did not. Well, the thing is, like, in the High Five of Doom, it's mostly, like, it's merely speculation based on, like, fictional stuff. Whereas, like, I feel like the Squirrel Scouts actually have a reason to... I mean, of course, you know, they're children, but they have, like, a, a reason to believe that the 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 Jelly Bean uh, Scouts are actually aliens because of, you know, the visuals that they see, like the giant display of the static and and all that stuff, so... Yeah, but, I mean, it's the same... It's the same exact way in Rocco. They're, they're both actually... They both go off of a book. It's just... For, for Rocco, it's a book that's a diary which seems more personal whereas with Gretchen it's like it's obviously like a kid thing like you read something in a book and then you see something that seems to prove it so you're just like dead set that that's that's got to be the truth yeah with the Laszlo episode I thought that the ending line wasn't that clever where because I, I thought the ending of Rocco where um where they were just reading the whole time and then you know they they were still speculative about Filbert I thought that that was really funny yes but with with Laszlo at the Ugh. end of the episode, they get the ice cream, and then it's the the Scroll Scouts looking on and like, oh, everybody knows that aliens don't eat ice cream. No, everybody doesn't know that. Like, yeah, that's not. There's nothing remotely funny about that. Yeah, well, the the ending is that the Squirrel Scouts fed. They gave Laszlo because like there's a through line where at the beginning they, they want ice cream because it's a hot day. Olympus won't let him do it, and so that's what they fleece the the girls out of at the end of the episode and the joke is that the girls put frozen glue in the ice cream containers and that's what they ate and then their brain freezes stick and it's and like they couldn't tell that it was frozen glue yeah and why but why why do they get to be punished i don't understand like the logic is so here's how things go the the jelly beans are minding their own business they don't they don't involve the girls in anything like they're they're not a part of anything the girls spy on them assume they're aliens and then tie them up like kidnap them in the middle of the night tie them up and then the jelly beans play along with it like Lazlo plays along with it but it's like that's why they need to be punished like they're in the wrong because after being kidnapped out of their beds in the night Lazlo decides to play a little prank on them slash tries to get them out of the situation that they're in that's and then and then tries to get ice cream out of them like they need to be punished for that I, I don't understand the squirrel girls are definitely in the wrong in this episode yeah I agree and I mean, I guess you could say that in the very last line where Laszlo starts to 
joke about them being aliens again. Like they kind of get revenge, but that's yeah. like literally the last line as <laughs> as the cameras like fading out. <laughs> like I'll get more friction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I mean that's that's like all that's all I've got really. Like Rocco is the funnier episode. I thought it was a lot more clever. I thought it was a lot more like the fake outs, the justifications, the I loved the bit with Rocco not wanting to read the diary. Like, oops, it fell on the ground completely closed. <laughs> and then he gets disappointed. Like That was really funny. Yeah, good joke, good setup. The the jelly beans trying to resuscitate the thing while Lumpus is like disinterested. I couldn't care less. I I did find humor in that, but Okay. I mean that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean i don't know there you go uh, like but the other thing too is that these are like the same plot <laughs> like and then laszlo uses the plot again and it's like dude if anything fits the rehash of our uh, in the recast it's it's this mm -hmm. it's not original so you know by your recent statements i'm sure um <laughs> i'm sure we we know which one you preferred yeah of course but, but what i mean what do you think um, okay, listen, I'll defend Laszlo to my grave. Love that show. Super underrated, in my opinion. However, I do believe this is one of the weaker episodes, and I do like High Five of Doom more. Um, just for further reference, I don't recommend checking out this episode if you are interested remotely in Laszlo. I'd recommend episodes like Racing Slicks or I've Never Been in a Sub or Burpless Bean. But this is definitely one of the weaker episodes. Laszlo is definitely a bit too energetic. Um, very much reminiscent of spongebob that's well that's um, his that's another thing well i, I do want to also say that this is the first season of laszlo whereas this is the last season of rocco so there is definitely yeah. a little bit of a learning curve in there and i will like i'll give and laszlo does expand he, he he's he becomes less annoying as the show progresses well that's the thing it's like the characters are and again i mean hey this is the fourth season of, of rocco so fair enough but like the characters are so much more characters like fully fleshed out characters in the rocco episode where you get like Rocco's wanting to be a good guy and then the temptation you get Heifer being just this big fat glutton goofball you get <laughs> Filbert being this eccentric eccentric weirdo I don't get character trait I get Laszlo is an energetic monkey and that's that's like the only character trait I get I and then the the girl for some reason this is the era of like unrecranted creepy crushes in Cartoon Network's history because yeah, like I, I was never really a fan of the squirrel scouts in general. Yeah. If I'm being entirely honest. That's they just, fair. They they don't really have a, a a big reason to be there other than just love interests. Um better by just comparison. Kind of a, just like, always like better a, by comparison. Yeah, just a like a foil to a, a very clean proper uh foil to the rundown Camp Kidney. Yep. Does does Laszlo get better? Like the show in general, would you say so? Because I did, I I did only watch the season one episodes, but like, dude, Laszlo gets stuck to a sea lamprey. Did not do it for me. So here's the thing, um, and that was the hang on. That was the episode that Joe Murray wanted to be the first episode. It didn't air at first because Cartoon Network was like, yeah, we want to parasitic pal. Yeah, well, Cartoon Network's quote is like, we wanted to establish the character better before attaching a, a parasite to him for the With whole the episode. Gone <laughs> episode. <laughs> Yeah, I saw. Uh, um, so, uh, okay. So, in a similar way to Ed and Nettie, it it kind of starts to venture out beyond Camp Kidney more. They start to uh, explore more around Leaky Lake and its remote areas. Um, 
in terms of location. Uh, characters become a bit more developed. Like you learn some new things about Clam. Um, you see family members of the uh, of the Kidney Scouts, wow. and uh, there's also the origin TV movie that came on uh, later in the show called Where's Laszlo, which I really enjoy. Hmm. Um, so. Yeah, um, and also Laszlo, I think, does become a, a more original and less irritating and more toned-down character. Mm. So, um, But even though I will say that the majority of my favorite episodes in the series come from the first few seasons. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Boomerang's got you covered then. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I it's just... It's not even it's not even just the comparisons. Like just looking at it alone, it just it does scream to me that era of Cartoon Network where it's just like it it's just it's not very funny. It's not very meaningful. It it doesn't like it it doesn't have to be insightful. It doesn't have to be even funny. It just has to be like one of those things. It has to be something. And I just don't get I get vibes of camp obviously. Like that's a big deal in the show and to be fair, there's not a ton of shows about camp, but other yeah. than that, like the characters don't scream to me. The um, the stories, I like it. I don't know. It's it's the combination, and Maybe and then it's just my love of dumb humor because like there's just <laughs> so many dumb characters in the show, like like Ship and Skip and Clam, and I. I just I love that I I eat that stuff up. Well, it's just and then on top of maybe it's not for everybody, but on top of me finding it bland, it's just like well. So you got the you got the sound effects, the the music cues, like all that from SpongeBob, and and everything else from Rocco. Same voice actor on the main character, even though it's not an Australian accent, <laughs> right? But it's still the same. It's still the same voice actor. Uh, a lot of the same writing team. Some of the same stories. Like it's just it's it's a lot of the same, and it's just like well, I don't know. It's it seems to be a watered down version of Rocco, and. I don't like that. I don't. I don't know. I, I feel like the camp thing. If it, if it was like if it wasn't for the camp aspect, this show would just be like nothing. Like it would have been passed over completely. I think Camp Kidney is one of the most interesting settings. Like I I agree with you in saying that it's probably one of the better aspects of the show. Yeah. Hmm. So I am not necessarily alone in my criticisms of the show. We have from our Discord server, uh, Chikorita Cheese It's Last, who said. Yeah, uh, interesting comparison piece for both shows. Rocco was more wacky and had more getting crap past the radar kind of jokes, whereas Camp Lazlo focused more on the wacky antics and was more similar to SpongeBob than Rocco. Heck, Camp Lazlo used a lot of the same production music. Hmm, I'm yeah, not, not the only whatever. one. <laughs> Listen, I mean, I, I will admit I probably watched SpongeBob more than the average bear, but like... I, SpongeBob is a popular show. You don't want to be you don't want to be using things from that that show also uses. Probably not the best of ideas. Uh, and then we also had Mega Moon who said High Five of Doom is an interesting take on the diary reading trope. Uh, I like the second of silence after Rocco and Heifer finish the first page before they give in and just read the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I definitely didn't expect the alien thing the first time I watched it. And that's that's a good point that actually yeah. we didn't talk about is that it's a diary episode as well. Like. There's a lot of shows do diary episodes, but it's kind of it's interesting that that's where they take it because knowing Filbert, it could have very well just been embarrassing things about Filbert that like Rocco and Heifer make fun of him or like you know try not to make fun of him for that could have been the story. the The fact that it's aliens is a twist in and of itself. Like, well, 
in the journal too he even references that there's a steer and a wallaby so for all we know i mean that could just be writer's inspiration from his real life or that could be connected to some otherworldly element right right (laughs) but yeah no i think it is also one of the better like diary reading episodes because it doesn't it doesn't go the route of like we found out embarrassing things about them and then we gotta try not to let them know that we know like it 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 does that kind of but the alien aspect adds just a great rocco wrinkle into the whole thing yeah all right so the trivia (laughs) game i'm excited okay so obviously i can't just like read descriptions off of wikipedia or wherever because you know different characters so What I did was I have seven episodes here, episode descriptions from across both shows. I altered the names of the characters, and I may have replaced like one or two other words, but otherwise I left the description, the plot description, like exactly as it is. You got to tell me this whether it's... This is going to be interesting. Yep. You got to tell me whether it's Rocco or Laszlo. Okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, okay, I, I think I'll do well because I'm very familiar with Laszlo not nearly as much with Rocco, but we'll give it a shot. <laughs> All right. So are you ready? Yes, sir. Okay. <clears throat> so some of these, the names may have been changed. Some of them, they might be just what the episode is. So. Okay. Laszlo, Raj, and Clam go on a fishing trip, unsuspecting that they are the prey. Um, that's, that's a Rocco episode, I think. Final answer? Yes. You are correct. That is the Rocco episode known as something. There's a na- Oh, uh, sorry. Isn't it the Huck to Raw one or no? No, this is Fish and Chumps. Fish and Chumps. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. Basically, the fish yeah. fish them. <laughs> it's a- Cause the- yeah, that's definitely not gone fishing. No, 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 no. Okay. Question two. Filbert takes Rocco on a bird wig snatching hunt. Oh, a bird wigs. Um, okay, so this is Rocco. You are correct. It is the episode Rugbirds. Because there's an episode of Laszlo called The Wig of Why, but that's that's completely different. That's with, with uh, Miss Mucus and Laszlo taking her wig and turning into a psychic. Of course. Um, <laughs> classic. <laughs> yeah, right? I remember yeah. when me and my friends did that. No, uh, classic <laughs> camp experience. Um, yeah. <laughs> but there's also, like, I know there's a few camp, la- like, there's at least the Snipe Hunt episode. Like, there's a few hunting or, like, find, looking for episodes of right. Lazlo. So I thought maybe I'd trip you up there. All right. <clears throat> Scoutmaster Lumpus tries to hook a fish in Leaky Lake, all the while trying to keep Lazlo, Raj, and Clam as far away as possible. I'm going to say Camp Lazlo on this one. All right. You are correct. That is the, uh, the episode you mentioned before, Gone Fishing, sort yeah, of. that's what I thought. <laughs> yep, yep. All right. So you are three for three thus far. There's seven questions. Ooh. So okay. it, you would have to bomb in all of these from now on to not come out on like a majority of these. Okay. No pressure. <clears throat> <laughs> no pressure at all. Okay. <clears throat> Raj gets a cheese wheel from the Kafizzle River in the mail, which Lumpus tries to steal and eat. Little does Lumpus know this particular cheese is extremely poisonous. This is Laszlo. I remember this episode. Yep. You are correct. Love Camp Laszlo. <laughs> Can you name if the you episode? Could, if you couldn't tell. Can you name it? Uh, is it a cheese pun? Yeah. This is just for bonus. I'm not giving you any points. <laughs> mm, I don't remember. All right. It's the big cheese. I don't know what it is with the yeah. show and cheese, but it <laughs> likes cheese. Raj loves his cheese. Okay. <clears throat> Laszlo must choose between Raj and Clam to invite to a wrestling match. Um, This is Rocco. 
Very good. I'm kind of. I don't know if Laszlo did an episode Just, like that, but it's it's I, like yeah, that's why I don't think there was ever a wrestling episode of Camp Laszlo. Well, the you got to decide who goes with you to X event is like a very very classic TV staple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the episode is called "With Friends Like These." Hmm. All right, round six. <clears throat> After Lumpus tries to get Laszlo's cabin condemned, Raj and Clam go on a remodeling spree. Um. Uh... I'm going to say Rocco on this one. You are indeed correct. Okay, because fr- from what I remember of of Where's Laszlo, it was always Laszlo himself that was always the one that was trying to remodel, and he was the one that worked on the totem pole and basically kind of came up with the design for the jelly cabin. Hmm. Uh, it's called Keeping Up with the Big Heads, and... Oh, okay. I, I did change. I did change the word house to cabin because I feel like that yeah. would have been a good uh, giveaway. The big heads weren't in the episode we covered, by the way. I was kind of disappointed. I wanted to see them. Yeah, no i I don't think I they would have. I don't think they would have fit unless maybe like Filbert was teaming up with them. Like they were also aliens. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. They don't <laughs> appear in all the well episodes. They could be. They're they're not normal. <laughs> very true. I mean, then again, which character in Rocco is normal besides Rocco himself? Um, I'm pretty sure the hippo lady was pretty pretty down to earth, relatable. <laughs> uh, maybe yeah. really really big man. <laughs> all right, all right. Last question. <clears throat> Ed Bighead attempts the unthinkable. He tries to make a friend. Oh God, um, <laughs> that's very vague, and you easily could have replaced that with like Lumpus or Slinkman. Um, but Ed Bighead also was not exactly the most sociable person, so I'm gonna go with Rocco. You are incorrect. That was last. Oh, the last question too. Yep, you are. Who, who was the character? Slinkman or, or Lumpus? It was Lumpus. I, re- I replaced. Oh, of course. I replaced the characters just with analogs. Like yeah, uh, yeah. So there you go. But <laughs> six for seven, dude. That's the best Not you've bad. ever done. Yeah. I mean, you'd win the Ben Ten one, but this is the best, like <laughs> statistically, that you've done. Yeah. So. Love me some Camp Laszlo. Good job, man. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. Even though. Uh, my my trophy is just bragging rights, which that's enough for me. Don't say that. <laughs> We're gonna actually have to start giving away trophies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this was another episode of the recast. It it, it was. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. We'll have a guest next week. Yeah, we will. <laughs> All right. Um. So yeah, bye, guy. Rules out. Talk to you guys later. <laughs>